Hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I'm delighted to be joined by lawyer, data protection, GDPR expert, Migle Petkovicine. How are you doing, Migle? Very good. Thank you, Glenn. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. And can we just begin by you giving a little bit of background about yourself, your interest in data protection, and the kind of work you're doing today? So, um, just as introduced by you, my name is Migla. Uh, I'm the head of our life sciences data protection and compliance team at our law firm, which is called Alex. Uh, we have one Baltic presence, so we have three offices in Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. And um, when GDPR came into force, uh, life sciences went a bit to the background, I would say, of, of, of my expertise. <laughs> And I have been dedicating and focusing most of my life and most of my time to data protection, privacy, IT, and cybersecurity issues uh, ever since. So um, as a law firm, we have quite a huge and stable workload related to data protection. But when GDPR came into force, we had definitely a lot of clients coming and asking to get them prepared for the new challenges. So this is what we did. Now we have um, a lot of... um, follow-up audits, you know, fine-tuning of existing documentation, cybersecurity breaches, uh, data subject access re- requests, etc. Uh, but we usually work on the company side as we are, um, you know, private and uh, mostly business law firm. Yeah. So helping businesses navigate through these labyrinths of data protection is currently on my plate daily. <laughs> So plenty of things to keep you uh, busy. And I think that, you know, given the program and the focus we have on uh, sort of the future of work, digitalization and, uh, and workforce topics, it would be great if you could explain a little bit about why data protection is a vital consideration in the sort of future world of work, uh, digitalization, and also linking into sort of the platform economy as more and more of our work is done online and digitally. Yes, and definitely, I would say it's not even the future anymore. It's probably present. Yeah, uh, yeah there are not much businesses left that uh, run on something else than data. Mm. Uh, I can give you a simple example. Uh, one of the clients of mine, uh, I probably don't have the explicit consent to name the name of the company uh, in this podcast, but uh, surely it's one of my favorite clients. So uh, it is a company which sells tractors trucks and other mechanisms to farmers. Okay. So when we started discussing data protection related topics, they said, no, we do not have a lot of data. We, we even don't think that we have it at all. It's irrelevant for us as well. You know, it doesn't concern us, but it was really, really counterintuitive. Um, mm. It appears that the tractors, they sell process a lot of data and it gives a huge benefit to their clients. Uh, based on the data that tractors collect, the farmer can plan its planting and harvesting activities, etc. Yes. So what we did during this project is we made sure that the farmer understands why this data is important, mm. uh, how it is collected, how it is stored, how can the farmer itself benefit from it. So we made sure that all the necessary data is secured by the security measures in place, etc. So this is just one example. But let's just look around, you know, more and more businesses are based on data. I don't know many businesses where data is not important or relevant at all. So maybe some 
heavy machinery factories which work solely on B2B basis or let's say bread bakeries where they simply bake the bread and sell it. These are only a couple of examples I could think of. Mm. But even them, um, for example, we have a very nice bakery in Vilnius. Uh, they became really popular in uh, no time. So huge lines were forming outside the bakery. So what they did is they implemented the pre-ordering system. Hmm. Uh, and now the only way to get their production is to pre-order it. So you have to give your name, email address, etc. So as funny as it gets, it seems that you will soon not be able to buy a good cinnamon roll without giving out your data. <laughs> yeah. So coming back to your question, I think what is even more important is, uh, I don't want to cause rejection by using this word, but I have no choice, COVID. Yes. Uh, sorry, everybody is already probably too tired discussing I, this. I've heard but... of it, Migley. I've heard of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's really the reality, you know, it, it, it pushed us all out of the offices. So mm. Remote work gives us even a stronger ground and reason to talk about the importance of data for the future of work and for digitalization. So, you know, my, my basic idea, my ground idea is that uh, we are probably not going to live without data anymore. And the companies are not going to live without the data anymore. It's, it's yeah. the reality nowadays. Mm, ab- absolutely. And, and how does this affect individuals? You and I as uh, not just uh, workers, but also consumers, individuals as well. Uh, sure. Uh, well, how can how can we not be affected by that? It's our data that it is being collected. Yeah. So this means that uh, we have to give away our data and we have to trust the companies, uh, mm. the ones we are giving our data to, you know, so so we are going to be more and more exposed to giving out our data to the uh, company. So, you know, it always depends on, on, on uh, what the practices are implemented within the company. So mm. somehow we need to make sure that uh, these are the right companies we are selecting, uh, you know, to be working with. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, is there an opportunity within this as well, Migle, that uh, the fact that uh, companies and individuals are using our data more and more, as you say, but the kind of the legal perspective, the legal angle is that more of a push that we as individuals can actually own our data. Uh, we control it. We actually know how it's being used, can actually decide much more, which is uh, kind of the, the, the push against maybe the, uh, the larger technology companies who have been just saying, well, this is free between rabbit ears free, but of course they're allowed to use your data for whatever they want. Are we seeing kind of the, the next stage is more of a, a rolling back of this and, and individuals having more uh, control, more say in how their uh, data is used? Yeah, so I, I believe that you're talking about the user-centric model, right? Yes. That, is, that is becoming a mega trend in, in, in IT probably. So the core principle of this user-centric, user-held data model is that the individual should have the full ownership and control over his or her personal data. So in practice, uh, to own one's personal data, the individual must have the proper tools to actually collect the data into one single place and exercise this control over that data. So as a user, I really like the idea. Uh, it is really, as I mentioned, it's one of the mega trends in IT nowadays. And yeah, but unfortunately, in practice, it is not that simple. Okay. Uh, we spread our data everywhere, both digitally and physically. So collecting all such data sounds really nice, 
But mm. unfortunately, I don't know such tools that would enable this collection to the full extent. Right. Maybe they will be created in the future. But let's think of all the data you leave behind yourself, both mm. digitally and physically. Collecting such data uh, is really, really would take years probably to collect it and also mega machines to process it. So yeah. GDPR is said to be one of the biggest steps towards this user-centric model and user-centric internet. But I believe that we still need some time to you know, develop these practices and uh, models. Mm. So it could almost be a situation whereby there's almost too much data, how to actually deal with it, that it becomes more of a, uh, a pain, more of a problem than a facilitator within the use of technology. Yeah, and, and you, you even have to think about, you know, it's not only the data that you create yourself. There's also some data, you know, there's when we are speaking about digital footprint, there's uh, always yeah. active and passive digital footprint. So, yes. uh, you know, on the one hand, it seems like, you know, the data that you yourself submit to the Internet might be not a huge problem, right? It's name, email, surname, whatever. So this, this, this might seem like a not, not that huge of a problem. But there is also a passive digital footprint. So this means that the data may be created or tracked down in databases without the user himself or herself even knowing that this is happening. Right. So this sometimes might mean that uh, you may not be over control of that data that you don't even know that it exists. You mm. know? So, so it really causes huge problems. So technology has to develop uh, further in, the, in order to enable us to, to, you know, to use this user-centric data model. Hmm. It's not there yet, I would say. Everybody's talking about it, and, and it's, a, it's a trend. Everybody's working on it. Uh, but I believe that we will still need some time to, to, to be there when we can already say that we are the owners of our data. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's to make it user-friendly as well, as you say, and also understanding of how these things work. Uh, now, just from a personal perspective, I still get very frustrated with all these cookie policies that I have to click on uh, the whole time and, you know, that, that, that kind of reduces the user experience. So we probably have to uh, uh, anticipate even more of this in the future. Yeah, there are some models that are being discussed currently. So they're saying that the cookie walls will not exist anymore. It will be also a user-centric model approaches, you know, these, these uh, cookie walls that you will just have to simply one click and that's it. Yeah. But it's also not there yet. So we, we are having this e-privacy uh, regulations discussions currently ongoing in, in, in the EU. Yeah. And uh, well, I would not be in the position, you know, to speculate how it will go further, but it really creates, uh, you know, huge problems, huge, like even counterintuitive problems when they are saying that you need to provide the full consent, you know, to further uh, be able to, you know, the, 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 you give consent and that's it. So, but you, you never read what you are consenting to. This yeah, is yeah. the, yeah. the, you know, the, the human problem. So, so yeah, the, this is, you know, before that, yeah, they said that, you know, this, this consent will solve everything, but it does not solve everything because we are still doing the same, you know, there was this one famous example when uh, one Wi-Fi provi provider in London uh, gave you, you know, the internet only when you consented to their conditions. And one of the right. statements inside those conditions was like, you know, you consent of giving your firstborn child to the internet provider and everybody consented. Nobody even asked why this <laughs> sentence is there because nobody read that. So, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a really a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. People read and people 
often don't listen and don't take things in. So I think that's that's sort of the human nature part that we need to get around as well, Miglia. But it's interesting. But we don't have enough time, you know, to read all those. <laughs> it's a really Absolutely. simple problem. Yeah, so I mean, we've talked a little bit about the sort of the, the personal uh, issues here with data protection, but what are the kind of the um, the, the, the problems that the main problems that companies are facing at this uh, point in time, but also looking a little bit towards the future as well? Yeah, so I believe that there are really huge risks related to this, especially when we are talking about remote uh, work and and the increase of uh, cyber attacks due to this whole digitalization process. You know, data leaks, uh, requests for ransoms, lost customer databases or employee data, you know, are just a few to mention. But I would say that the core problem lies within one aspect. It is the loss of trust. I would say. Here okay. are a few important aspects. I will, I will explain in a little bit of more detail. So first of all, yeah. um, loss of faith of trust by the customers. It really takes a very good PR and um, customer relationship management, as well as very strong team of IT and legal professionals to build back the trust if the company has experienced a data breach or incident. Yeah. So there are some very good examples when the company recovers and creates a strong comeback that makes the company even more attractive to its customers. So I know one case in, in uh, Germany where this one app, a dating app in Germany, uh, survived the data breach and implemented such a strong repair uh, and gap fixing mechanism that it attracted a triple amount of uh, users uh, okay. in no time. So, you know, it's worth thinking about creating a trustworthy relationships with your customers in, in terms of data protection. Yeah. But a second very important aspect related to this trust is the trust between employee and the employer. So mm. remote work is usually very highly linked to tracking of uh, employees. It's as scary as it may sound. And there are always two sides of the story. The employer definitely wants to make sure that the employee is performing well, that he is working and then he is effective, etc. Mm. And the employee wants to do his job and to be trusted. Yeah. So there's always a two-way street. So I could talk day and night about the data protection requirements, you know, related <laughs> to employee monitoring. But this trust-centric approach is really important in terms of not only you know customer relationships, but in, also in terms of company and its employee relationships. Mm. It's yeah. not only an employment contract; it's also a psychological contract. I would say you have to build trust. It always depends on the level of employee, the functions, so on, and other circumstances, uh, how much trust should be given. Uh, but in any case, I would say that the hugest problem the companies will face uh, in relation to this, uh, you know, processing of high volumes of data mm. is the trust issue. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it, it, it would probably sound really counterintuitive because you, you would believe like, you know, development of uh, highly tech, you know, advanced IT systems or, you know, whatever. But it really boils down to some really human issues. Yeah. Mm, I see. And so there's this element of trust which needs to be taken on board. But if that's not bad enough, there's also huge fines that can be imposed on organizations who get this wrong and maybe don't live up to the requirements. Yeah, actually, I'm, I, I would 
I would, you know, sound probably too lawyer if I would start mentioning you yes. know, the fines, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are really, uh, really the, the, the problems and the issues that, that cause the, you know, the attention to this data protection um, issue in general. So, yeah. you know, when, when the, those huge fines were imposed, like 20 million and 4% of global annual turnover, yeah. uh, the yeah. world started hearing what is data protection, because <laughs> all those principles, it, they actually exist for, you know, more than 30 years in Europe. Mm. But uh, we only took into account those principles only when these huge fines were introduced. And it's, uh, it's actually a bit sad you know, yeah. on, on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's, it's you know, it's, I'm glad that that uh, data protection became uh, an issue because we are not going anywhere without the data. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate that, you know, this is the only way how we can attract the attention is <laughs> mentioning those huge, you know, draconic fines. But, uh, but this is the, this is the reality, you know, this is, uh, yeah. this is how the companies got the attention into, into this tech because, you know, it's, 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 it's been years that uh, companies built their business models on data. But uh, it's only now when the companies are starting to think, you know, how am I going to use this data and uh, yeah. what data I shall process? How shall I not process too many, too much data, you know, not excessive data, et cetera. Yeah. It's only now that, that they're, you know, starting to think about it before the business model is already set up. Mm. And that's crucial, I think, in that step change and that mindset change in terms of thinking that, you know, let's do it from the beginning. Let's put in privacy, data protection by design, as opposed to an afterthought, which usually is uh, uh, not as good and can leave yourself open to uh, uh, potential breaches and potential problems. Um, and whatever company you are, if you're going to get fined 4% of your global turnover, that's going to ruin your breakfast uh, if that comes up. So it's good to think about these things and build it into processes and systems from the beginning. Yeah, it, it has to become a part of your culture, a part of your identity as a company if, if you are processing large volumes of data. Without having this as a part of your culture and of your identity, you are you are facing the risk of losing the the element that we just discussed, the trust of the customers, because uh, yeah. nobody is going to give you your data if you are not uh, putting this uh, table before your on the table before your breakfast, the one that you mentioned. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely uh, has to be on the on the plates uh, of everybody every business uh, yeah. that processes large volumes of data and i think it's really important given the fact that this is the the, the new currency the new lifeblood of organizations uh, uh technology companies but even traditional companies that are relying on data for their uh, uh customer uh, relationship management but also how they run their organizations this is something that's front and center and needs to be a laser focus from uh, from leaderships in uh, companies, uh, as well as us as ind individuals, to look after these topics and be aware of what we're doing. Sure. Uh, just you know, a couple of examples that I mentioned. You know, the the tractors which sell you know the the, the heavy machinery to the farmers, or the yeah. bread bakery which sells you know simple bread to 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 their customers. They are already starting to think about it, and that's a good sign. And also what you mentioned about the leadership, I believe that this is a really, really important thing that uh, the executive, you know, that the management of the companies uh, have to think about it on their daily basis. They, they have to start implementing the cultures and practices that 
you know, compliance is not just, you know, one of, one of the functions which somebody does and then I don't care about it. Really, yeah. the, the CEOs and the executives have to have it on the table uh, on their daily basis. I really like this one caricature where um, one, one um, painting, a funny, funny comic, you know, where uh, this... Um, there's one table of the management around the, the table, you know, the big guys with the suits are sitting there. Yeah. And then there's a kid's table where on the back of the of, of one of the kids is like, you know, cybersecurity. And then <laughs> one of the guys from the big, big table is taking the little guy from the from the uh, children table and he's saying, well, now it's the time that you sit um, you know, on the adult's table. And this is really the time when cybersecurity yeah. has to sit, you know, on the adult's table. Yeah. Uh, it's not only the function that needs to be somehow served to serve to somebody, you know, and and, and forgotten about it. And then the CEOs and the executives have really to, to have their own uh, management programs, compliance management programs, where not only somebody does that and I have a tick, but also they have to have it in their minds as well so that they could uh, manage the risks related to, to uh, you know, in compliance. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, these are fantastic insights, thoughts, and also tips. If uh, food for thought for organizations and individuals, if they haven't already thought about these things, but a key element of the digitalization, the future of work, and also the platform economy as we go forward. So Migle, thank you very much indeed for your time and for sharing these knowledge and advice with us today. Thank you very much, Glenn, for inviting. It was a huge pleasure.